Golf Podcast, presented by Golficity, where we bring you the tips, instruction, and support you need to get the most out of your golf game. And now your hosts, Frank and Mike. Hey guys, welcome back to the Golf Podcast. And today on the show, we're going to talk about how to hit that nice, high, soft landing bunker shot. And it's a shot that it, it can be a real stroke saver if you do have it in the bag because there's going to be those times when you've got a green that's sloping away from you or you've got a short-sided pin and you're in that green side bunker and you just don't have much to work with. And as you may have heard in previous episodes, Mike, we've talked about how difficult it can be to put spin on the ball, mm-hmm. especially with a tougher lie right. in the bunker where you've got that sand between the, you know, that's going to be getting between the club face and the ball. So there's got to be another way to stop it. So another way to stop that is going to be to use gravity, get it up there a little bit and let it drop down. Is it even possible to get it to spin and stop with sand? You're going to still get some spin. It really just depends on how How much much is behind there. there. But I think the more important idea is to say like... when you can't rely on it, you got to have a plan B. Exactly. Right. Right. So plan B in this case would be to try to get that ball up a little bit higher. So we're going to talk about a couple of different adjustments you can make to your setup that might help with that, as well as a few different things in that execution that you can do during your swing, things that we've been working on. We've been fortunate enough, Mike, to get into some of these uh, practice facilities that have uh, bunkers where you can work on this. Mm Because another thing we're going to talk about is – you got to be able to work on it. It has to be something that can become familiar to you. And I think that's one of the biggest hurdles that most amateur golfers face is that we've got driving ranges, you know, with mats and tees, but it's the sand that's tough. We don't have these opportunities to practice it, but we could talk about some creative ways that you can go about it. I think one creative way is if you're out there not playing for a score, if you're just playing a practice round, so to speak, is every once in a while, maybe drop a ball or two and just hit a couple. I I don't think any greenskeepers would be very happy with you taking 50, you know, greenside bunker shots (laughs) and throwing sand all over the green. But I think every once in a while, and you see the the PGA Tour pros do this, Mm -hmm. when they're out there on their practice rounds on Tuesday, is they'll hit a shot you know a couple times and really get a feel for it but we're going to get into that even deeper in a minute Um, but first one thing there's three days left as of the airing of this episode there's three days left to compete in the golf city virtual open so the nice thing is you didn't have to register in advance you can register up until the last day and go out there and play so go to golfacy.com slash open Get out there and play. Uh, we played ours at Springdale a yeah. couple of weeks ago. Had a lot of fun doing it. It's, right. it's really about players in there. You got a thousand. That's great. It's cool. Like almost a thousand. A couple of uh, rounds away, and I'm, I bet this weekend you'll see a lot. I think so. Yep. I think so. And and a lot of times uh, people are asking, hey, can I still get out there and play? And yes, you mm-hmm. can. Are we have until the end of August, August 31st, to register, log your round, and you will be open for those incredible door prizes, which we'll be announcing the winners after the tournament wraps up. We'll pick our door prize winners at random and send those out. Just and then been we'll, staring at them for I weeks. know. They've been piling up here in the office. <laughs> and we have also, we will be, um, all of the net scores will be calculated as well. We're using the Peoria system. When does that happen? Handicap. On the 1st of September? Yes, that yeah. happens as soon as everything wraps up and all the scores are in. When, the, when the, the scoring closes at the end of August 31st, all the gross scores are taken and calculated for a net leaderboard as well. Love it. So you can get to see, you know where you are in your gross leaderboard, you'll see where you are on the net leaderboard. So that's going to be an exciting thing. And the other big exciting thing is the T-Series. The t- the t- oh, I'm so excited. I mean... As of we're recording this, we haven't gotten them yet, but I mean, let's just go back to the fitting real quick. Like eye opening. Yeah. 
right? We didn't yeah. get a chance to really dissect it here, but guys, go and watch the video because like you go into a fitting, having done this a couple of times now, you just, you're so confident you're going to walk out of there with something and then the complete opposite happens. Yeah. You know, because of something you never thought about, something the fitter saw that you didn't, didn't see or know. And my mind was blown and that giveaway that goes along with it, giving away a whole set. We're giving away a, a whole, whole set. Yeah. So you guys don't want to miss this thing. I Check out it. the video for all the information on, on how you guys can get entered to win that. But yeah, like Mike said, it's a learning experience no matter how many times we go through a fitting, both on the idea of the equipment and getting a, a look, an inside look at what you know, Titleist has done to improve upon the last generation. So this is the second generation of the T-Series and you can see it. And one of the, the, I thought was one of the most incredibly brilliant things was how they got the wedge team involved. Right, right. And they really looked at kind of a, what they call like a variable or a gradient grind on the bottom that helps you get through the turf. And it, it really was designed to help with those kind of awkward lies with, with the, the heel and the toe of the club being kind of having a different bounce and a different grind for different types of shots and helping you get through the turf kind of no matter where you were. So I think one of the biggest improvements that I saw was just a much tighter dispersion on less than perfect ball strikes. Exactly. Which is, I, I mean, think, what we want. That's what we want. <laughs> and, and I think I said it in the video, and I'll say this over and over again, a good fitting will really work to focus in on making your you're less than perfect. I don't want to say bad, but you know what I mean. Right. You're less than perfect uh, strikes better. It's it's not so much about just improving that that time you hit the sweet spot perfectly and getting a little more out of it. Sure, that's great. But I'd say the vast majority of the shots that we're faced with out there, we hit it just a little bit off, yeah. a little bit off center. So mm -hmm. being able to say see that that's correct is important. So uh, well, you guys will see the giveaway. We're really excited about this one. But make sure you check out the video for full details. And it's actually it's a good segue. We're going to dive into our Twitter tap in here. But first, of course, want to thank our sponsor, Titleist. Um, and and talking about that evolution of the T-Series, it really advances the Titleist mission even further. And their mission is to produce the best irons in the world. And as we were saying, we had a chance to hit them. And I was incredibly impressed with the, the series right through the line from the T100, T100S, T200, T300. There really is something in there for every golfer. And I really liked the focus that was put into making sure that the series works well together so you can have a mixed set. I love it. And we're seeing more and more mixed sets and aesthetically pleasing these clubs. No, they're beautiful. I know. They're beautiful. <laughs> That's a but, great start. But even they, even to the eye, look well together. So when you do blend a set, it doesn't look unfamiliar to you when you pull out. Let's say you're, you're playing a T100S and a T200 series blended set mm -hmm. when you go from one to the other it's it's going to be very familiar to you and recently we had troy Merritt on the show he's playing a blended set uh we talked about in our fitting we talked about jordan spieth he's playing a blended set so mm -hmm. it, it really could see that they that titleist r&d really uh looked on that perform getting that performance but making sure that like i said that set really works well together so our fitting experience it was incredible guys go watch it check it out so you can see a little bit more but one thing we're going to keep doing is encourage you to try it for yourself get out there go through that fitting process because although 
all the clubs in the series are terrific. What's really going to turn that corner for you and make it really perform is being fit for it. Because as you said earlier, we were surprised with what surprised. we got fit for. And I was surprised what, what forearm you walk out of there with. Oh, yeah. You know, so yeah, blew my mind. You guys have to check out the video to yep. see that. But that thing, I, I keep calling it a rocket ship. But mm -hmm. I, I, mm -hmm. it felt terrific. But Titleist T-Series, precision made, precision played. Check it out at Titleist.com. All right, let's dive into this week's Twitter tap-in. And if you're not already following us on Twitter, make sure you do so at Golficity. I know the last couple of weeks we've gotten away from the Twitter tap-in because we've had a few interviews on the show, but it's fun to get back into it, and we're getting back into it with, a, with an interesting one. All right? So this week we asked, what is the worst golf advice someone ever gave you? <laughs> and a couple things I'll say. One, I don't think it's always intentional. Sometimes, right. you know, people have the best of intentions. Something maybe worked for them, so they push it on to you. Um, but I think that the problem with that is we're, we're so unique as golfers. It, it can it could be difficult. And I, I've said this before so many times on the podcast. I said, go out and, and get a lesson with a pro so that they can kind of give you an idea and an assessment of where you need to work and then use that to get your own research. Because I think a lot of bad advice is actually good advice applied to the wrong golfer. There you go. Right. You know, we go on and we, we, we look at a YouTube video or we or our buddy passes along a bit of advice that may have worked for them, but there might be something else in our setup, our fundamentals, our mechanics that that kind of leads us a little bit further astray. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, and it's hard. I mean, obviously, when we first started this game, I mean, me like 12, 13, maybe even longer now, years ago, I was getting advice from all angles. And it's starting at like from my father, of course. Mm -hmm. And when you start getting less, you know, tips from someone who's not that great as well, you know, that's where I got. So I got most of my bad advice from my father. Sorry, dad. Well, that's what I mean. A lot of it sometimes <laughs> it's, it's well-intentioned. Exactly. It's well-intentioned. Or like I said, it's slightly, it's, it's kind of maybe half the reality or yep. it's out of context for example uh aj spicer says keep your head down was the worst bit of advice and that's another thing mm -hmm. we've seen where it kind of gets too far um it's more so of keeping like the body down and some people like say the head just as a feel it's, it's like a feel thing right, right. more than it is the reality or it's more so keeping your head a little bit still there's nuances to these things they don't mean to be take them to the nth degree where like your head doesn't move or it's like in you know, some sort of weird locked position that re restricts your rotation mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. there's more to it you know that type of thing um another one uh here uh this is kind of goes against everything you've been working on my curtis cole mm -hmm. he says don't hit up on the ball with your driver and guys if you, if you saw mike has had so much success with this with working with uh, a couple different coaches hitting up on the ball and ultimately uh we saw mike get quite a bit more oh, yeah. distance yes i did out of it out mm -hmm. of hitting up i love um, that though don't hit up on the ball on your I, driver I, I like all right so i'll so teach you how about that that's the one that worries me because like it's so specific to driver. I know. Like I could see, again, this could be one of those things where you half understand it. If you say, don't hit up on the ball. Right. Because with every other club in the bag, mm -hmm. maybe not the putter, we're trying <laughs> to hit down on the ball, right? Just driver is how we get a little more distance hit up on it. But that was a tough, that's yeah, a tough yeah, one. Yeah, that's a tough one as well. Um, what else we got here? John Lindstrom. You need a fireball <laughs> shot. You're play better. <laughs> That one, I, <laughs> I get it. That yeah. one solidly goes goes in the uh, bad advice. Category. That's definitely bad advice. I never play well with any. Type now of with alcohol. a slight slight tweak, maybe said you need a fireball shot. You'll have more fun. There you go. <laughs> During the bad rounds. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, maybe, but yeah, play better. I don't think there's any person like on advice. earth who's ever registered a better round after the fireball shots nope. come out. Nope. 
No. Never witnessed that. What other no, ones you uh, like here? Let's see. Take up golf and you'll really enjoy it from Matt Ward. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Adam Sutton. Here's another one that like. Oh, there I, you go. I, he says, "Slow down your swing. That's dumb, right?" And and I I get it. I get it because we all swing speed and clubhead speed is really the key to getting that ball to travel the distance we want. But again, I think it's it's a verbal thing. It, it's the way we kind of express it that that whatever it's a feel i think it's more so when you feel like you're swinging slower it's more so you feel a controlled Controlled. swing Mm -hmm. that's what i've been trying to do i've been really trying to feel a more controlled better paced more rhythmic swing that allows me to get that center face contact i think i think one of the best advice i ever heard was uh tiger was saying how his father taught him to swing as hard as you can so long as you can hit the center of the face of the club right and that's the problem a lot of us are not willing to slow down a little bit so that we can focus more on that ball contact. And we've talked, we did countless, you know, we dove into this deep on our episode where we talked about balance. It's when you start to swing so hard that you're starting to come off balance. So where I think it's true that you should slow it down is just slow it down if you're starting to get where your ball striking is getting erratic. If that's getting erratic, pump the brakes a little bit get it back to where it needs to be. And then as you, you can start to try to slowly dial that back up and, and swing speed is his own thing to be it's worked on thing, separately. Right. Mm-hmm. right. I mean, we see like, um, the, the speed training aids and stuff like that. Sure. But it, none of that is just going out there and just taking your club and just swing as hard as you can. Yeah, It's like Dustin Johnson has at least 15 to 20 miles per hour, if not more swing speed. Right. Yeah. Than me. And yet he's got a slower tempo. Yeah, through his golf swing. It's, yeah, it's a definitely Smoother, it's more, you know, and especially it comes with that transition. At the, the transition. Top. I yep. think a lot of people where they think that the swing is rushed as they get to the top and they rush that right transition. Yep. Don't forget those PGA Tour players do an incredible job of building speed all the way through, you know, you know, in a more of a linear pattern. They're building that speed until they, they maximize that speed either at ball contact or slightly after it. Some of us, we get to the top and we just want to get that speed and we start ripping it. And a lot of us maximize our speed and then start to lose speed before we actually hit the ball. Right. So I think that that's a big key. Um, and the last one here, Peter McCann, he says, uh, as a new golfer, been given too much advice, good or bad, on the first tee. And he rips through a couple of different advice that he got. And it's true. There's a certain time where we need to kind of, as golfers, be able to turn it off and tune it out because it can be, again, the most well-intended thing. But if it gets you overthinking, uh, that can take you out of the game. I remember a story that we we had here on the podcast. I don't remember who told it, Mike, but he said uh, a very competitive guy. And he said this guy he was playing a match with and he was, I guess he was, he was on him the whole time or whatever. And he wanted to take this guy out of his game. Mm-hmm. And he just simply asked, he said, Oh, I, I really like your swing. He goes, do you, do you inhale or exhale during your downswing? That's uh-huh. all he asked the guy. Then the guy's thinking the whole time about inhaling, exhaling, got him out of his rhythm, got him out of his mode and just he, he destroyed. Him. Right. He ended oh, up beating yeah. him in the Who match. Who said that? I got, was we'll it the Brits? We'll have to look back. I okay. don't think it was LeBritz because we haven't had him on the pod. Oh, it was a guy in the pod. Okay. I think it was on the pod. We'll have to go back. Right, I'm right, sure right. there's there's one of you out there who's who has a better memory than we do and you've listened That's to all great. the podcasts. If you remember who that, st- that story came from, drop it in the comments uh, and let us know. But- yeah, that's what I mean. It can be just the slightest little thing. So I think you, the mentally strong aspect of being a golfer is sometimes just being able to just shake your head politely when you get advice and just 
kind of let it go That's in it. one year and out the other. Right. And if it works for you, then hang on to it. Right. Put it into your golf game. Right. But on the other side of it, if you're soliciting advice, then tune in, listen. Mm-hmm. But it's that unsolicited advice that sometimes, if it's at the wrong moment, it's just sometimes best to just kind of let it go through and, and, and think about it another time. All right. Let's uh, let's dive into this week's uh, this week's episode on talking about that high soft landing bunker shot. But first, Mike, let's do a quick thanks from this week's sponsor. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, big thanks to FootJoy. Have you guys tried that FootJoy shoe finder yet? I've been talking about it a lot here. It's easy. It's fun to use. I mean, we know who FootJoy is. They've been the number one shoe on tour for the past 75 years. I mean, they were innovating, innov- innovating then, and they continue to innovate today with a simple goal to elevate their game so that we can all elevate ours out on the golf course. I mean, they build shoes for every player, every swing, every stance, and everywhere that you might play, whether it's the style and performance of the Premier Series, the precision fit of those really sleek Hyperflex, the traction and comfort of the Pro SLs, or any of their number one shoes, FootJoy offers the golf shoe that's right for your game. So they're passionate about the progress, and this is the best that their game has ever looked. Guys, their shoes are awesome. I mean, you see us wearing them in all our videos. I mean, we love the way they fit, and we love the way they perform. So find the right shoe for you. Go to footjoy.com slash shoe finder and have some fun with that tool. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. It is always cool to see what it comes up with. Yep. It is. Yep. Um, all right, so... Let's talk about this high soft landing bunker shot. And this is one of those areas of the game that I've become more and more obsessed with. It's this finesse side of the game, right? So we all, you know, everybody wants to like just smash the ball and, and, and hit it so much further and all that type of stuff. But um, I like this finesse side because I think it's what ultimately starts to separate the real great golfers from the guys who are just hacking it out there. Mm-hmm. We've all played with somebody who can just blow the ball by us off the tee, you know, 30 yards, but then it gets around the green. It's just, it's, it's becomes a disaster. Also, I think we talk about golf being a game that you can play at any age. And I know we have people who listen to the podcast of all ages. And I think there's this, this tough pill to swallow when you get a little bit older and you start, your body starts to not be able to generate the type of speeds that you wanted. However, that's when you, you can still improve that finesse game. And I think that's when you find this new respect for that finesse part of the game. This might be one of the most important topics we've addressed in a while. I mean, because if you think about it, there are bunkers around every green, essentially. And amateurs, we're we're not hitting every green. So where do you think we're ending up? We're going to find ourselves in this position. Even if we hit the green, it rolls off the backside, lands in a bunker. And this is the easiest way. And we've seen it in our own games, how our scorecard can blow up. Yeah. You know, beautiful shot down the fairway. Next one in the bunker, I, I lip it, I, I'm on the top of the bunker, then I'm on the green, I'm three-putting, and all of a sudden I walk out of there with a triple or a double. No doubt. And just think about the difference, I mean, of the make percentage, even at the highest level, the PGA Tour level, of just starting off with an 18-foot putt or a six-foot putt. So <laughs> that just tells you right there where strokes are really, the, the, the strokes are changed on and around the greens. I mean, you, it's a cliche at this point, but it's the reality. You hear it said so many times, but it's the reality. So if you can get your that greenside bunker shot, just five, 10, whatever feet closer than you would have otherwise, you have dramatically increased your chances of making that next putt and saving one or two strokes on the hole. And amplify that by a couple holes around, that's a lot of strokes. So first, 
let's talk about those couple of situations where you're going to want to hit that high bunker shot and then we'll dive into how to do it. Um, one is without a doubt, if you, if you only have a little room to work with, we talk about those short sided pins. Now, one thing you can do, and we talked about this extensively in one of our course management episodes, as we said, it starts with that approach shot. It really starts with, with making a smart play when you're, looking ahead at a green and you see a, let's say a bunker, uh, a pin tucked right side and it's a, it's on the right side of the green, not a lot of green to work with over there. And there's a bunker right next to it. Mm-hmm. You can first and foremost, possibly avoid this whole scenario by aiming for the center or the left side of that green and just leaving the pin out. I think some of the best golfers are, are really adept at kind of Going away from that that natural tendency to just see a, a flag and want to go after exactly, it, right. they pick spots on the green that don't necessarily have to do with the flag, but more so have to do with the next shot. It's like if you play billiards or pool, you're thinking about lining up where that cue ball is going to land for the next shot more than anything than anything else. So, I love that you bring that up because we don't think about that often enough. You don't stare down an approach shot and say. Well, if I miss, I'd rather miss on the left. The pin is on the right. There looks like there's plenty of green to work with if I end up left. I don't say that stuff. Yeah. I'm looking right at that pin. I got my number and I'm going for it. Right. And maybe it's the wrong approach. Well, now think about that. So let's say you go for that pin, you miss it just slightly right. Now you're going to be faced with this shot that we talked about. So at least, at least it's two shots, right? Mm Because you're going to have to, you're going to have to, if even if you execute this shot well, you can hopefully put it close enough to get it up and down from that bunker mm-hmm. versus let's say you look at the meatier, fatter part of the green, you go for it there. Now there's a very good chance you get out of there in two shots because it's two, you could probably two putt it. Right. 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 So you follow some of the tips we talk about to avoid three putting. You're going to probably do that. So it's, it's basically an easier two strokes and out or a tough two strokes and out. So that's what it really comes down to is start by that decision making. But let's say whatever reason. Uh, it catches you off guard. We don't always hit a perfect shot. Whatever it may be, you end up in that that bunker, and now you've only got a little room to work with. In this case, having that ability to get that ball high and then be able to stop is important. And more so, that goes up if the bunker lip is high. You right. know, I'm th- I'm thinking of like um, Hamilton Farm, yeah, Tobacco Road, Tobacco Road. Like the- <laughs> Some of these courses we play, where where I mean, we're talking about ten. 12 plus feet bunkers Mm -hmm. ones that like you never on tv never does it justice Mm -hmm. is 18 at beth page black those bunkers surrounding that green are so deep you get in the bottom of those bunkers you you would need a ladder you know to be able to even see out of it you've got to come out and walk around just to even see you found yourself in one is that oh yeah i've been in there (laughs) i've been in there so that's what i mean like now you really got to be able to get that ball up and high and be able to land it. So there's going to be scenarios, no matter what, you can do the best course management on earth. It's going to be unavoidable. You're eventually going to have one of these shots. So just knowing how to to execute this, is going to be something that's really important. So really you want to just kind of start with something, a simple goal and, and really it's, it's just maximizing the amount of kind of loft so you can get that ball up in the air. And I know it's easier said than done, but um, there's a couple things you can do to kind of get that ball, like I said, that, that more loft and kind of getting it up. Um, so, it, and it doesn't have to be a completely different shot. You know, mm-hmm. it's just a matter mm-hmm. of just some, a few small tweaks. And this is one of those things too, that we always say, like bring your awareness to it, like oh, be aware of this shot exists and that there's a technique for it. And then you'll, you'll find the right 
kind of information. And I think we'll try to describe it as best as we can here, but there are a wealth of great demonstration videos on YouTube. So if you look for like kind of hitting it high from a bunker, I think I even came across one from Butch Harmon that was out there. Uh, we, we linked to one in the show notes. So you, you can check that out as well for hitting that high. And it's just like a quick, we're talking about a minute and a half video on YouTube that just kind of demonstrates everything we're talking about. So if you're one of those people who needs a visual, definitely go check that out. Um, but these three tips right here look very simple. Th- yeah, that's the thing that in, in, on like paper, a, they're easy. It's just a matter of being familiar with right. it by doing it. Right. But we, we talked about this before. We said setup is usually half of it. Yep. So if you'll notice, a few of these have to do with setup. And the first one is just moving the ball forward in your stance. I'm glad that's one and not number two is number one because immediately we think, let's whip, let's turn that club face wide open to the sky, mm-hmm. normal stance, and just hack at it. We don't think about moving that ball forward. Move that ball forward. And this is something that is so fundamental to anywhere that you hit you know, uh, any, any golf shot that you hit, obviously the further you put it forward in your stance uh, within reason, not mm, like an extreme, right, right. but you're, you're going to hit a higher shot. And we talked about this before, just adjusting your trajectory and then further back in your stance, you're going to hit a lower shot. And it's just a matter of that club arc as it comes through and where that, you know, what kind of effective dynamic loft you're applying to it obviously the further back the less lofted the club comes in the further forward the more lofted it comes in so the first thing to do is just check that setup get in that greenside bunker and get that ball a little bit forward and this is something that's actually not on our our list of the this article that we're we're talking about today but another thing is just make sure you shuffle your feet and and dig in a little bit there we recently had our playing lesson Mm -hmm. um that we did at pound ridge uh and and i remember one thing that uh, that he said was, he's like, you're not shuffling your feet enough. He goes, you got to think of like when you take a, a bunker shot, you're not on stable footing. It's mm-hmm. not quite like st- swinging on ice, but you're not on stable footing. And you're still enacting a lot of you know rotational power so if your feet slip at all that could be the difference in a ball and a good or bad ball strike so shuffle your feet get a good footing and then move that ball up in your stance a little bit but then here's the next one mike as you're saying lay that face wide open right want to get it high and out you think open it up send it high exactly because what you're doing is obviously you're changing the loft of that club the more you open it the more and more lofted it is so let's say if you first start with your most lofted club let's say for me it's a 60 i carry and then open that thing up you could effectively open that thing up almost to 70 degrees Mm -hmm. by doing that now there is one caveat that we don't have listed here that's important is you still have to have to vary that based on your lie because we've we've done two episodes now, really diving into lies in the bunker and that that dreaded fried egg. Or we, I recently during my golf fantasy virtual open, I had a completely buried ball. Yeah, you did. Uh-huh. And in those cases, the advice that we've gotten from instructors time and time again is, you just don't have the option there to really open that up. You've got to, in that case, use that leading edge to. Dig, just dig into that sand and just let that sand just throw the ball up and out as much as possible. So there are going to be some lies when you can't play this. And, and that, that's golf. You know, across the board, we can have a game plan of the type of shot we want to play, but the lie will dictate whether or not we can play it. Right. And sometimes you can't play that super high shot, at least not with that, with opening the face, because you're going to need that leading edge to dig in. But my hope is that if you already have this difficult, you know, short-sided greenside bunker shot, at least you've got a good enough lie that you can pop it up high. So lay Wait, that stupid face question. Open. Hold that thought right there. That shot um, of you buried in the bunker. Yep. You can't take unplayables there, can you? 
You rules wise? No, you could take an unplayable. Can you take an unplayable you anywhere you want, and then you'd have to take that ball out of the bunker and bring it somewhere else. I think I'd have to drop it in the bunker. You know, we you would could, have we, to, we'd have to ask bunker, our, huh? our, our our rules nerds out question. there. But uh, as far as I know, that you wouldn't be able an unplayable shouldn't allow you to improve, improve the, the lie. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just if the ball is physically unplayable, I believe what I would have to do is take you know take the penalty and take a a, a, a club length, but I'd have to still drop it in the bunker. So I'd still have a bunker shot. Interesting. You got to ask a rules guy because you're but you're you're caught up top bunker at Twisted Dune. I wonder if you could have took an unplayable. I, you you can the, always take it on play, but not in the bunker because you were hung up in grass. That's right. I would have, yeah, but I still would have been a stroke. Yeah, still would have been I, a stroke, and I would have been in that rough. Yeah, a stroke and in, in the, the rough. rough. So it's okay. Sucked. Sorry to throw but, you off. I'll just... But I'll tell you what, I do know because I they, I had posted that on on TikTok that yes, video, that's and a right. couple of people commented that saying in that case they would take the unplayable. But it's really a personal decision. Yeah, I I just had a feeling that I could at least get it out of the bunker, mm -hmm. so I did that, and then I had a chip next. So. That's but it's a, it's a decision you you got to be able to make there. Got it. Okay. Sorry. Um, so, so you said turn open that club face. Open the club face, up. and then the last thing is this kind of like moving your hands back a bit. And this is one of those things I, I think it's perfectly timed with the Twitter tap, and we did where this could sound like bad advice if applied in any other place because what and you I'm encourage you guys to take out some of the videos, and we've got a great video in in the show notes in the article here that I want you guys to look at because you can see the demonstration of it. But in any other case, this would be kind of considered almost like a flip. You're almost allowing that club face to get out in front of the hands. And really, what this does is it's a little bit more of a handsy shot, but it can be a way that you can kind of, again, apply a little bit more of that that height out of it that you need okay but i think the important thing to know here is that other than other shots where we talk about keeping your hands in front keeping that little bit of that forward shaft shaft lean really hitting ball first then ground compressing the ball allowing that you know the ball to to ride up the club face that backspin gets it up that type of thing in this case we're actually not striking the ball first the the intention here is to get really under and making contact with that sand and letting the sand just throw the ball up in the air. And this is also why you don't get much spin out of it because you're really, oftentimes you're not even hitting the ball. You're right, just doing right. So a good visualization that I've used and has really helped me is just almost forgetting about the ball and just thinking about just trying to, the, the idea of just trying to throw the sand onto the onto the green. So if I can get enough sand and if I can get that sand going and up and with enough trajectory that the sand gets up and on the green, the ball is going to kind of go with it. But here you're with your hands just kind of like getting slightly behind the ball. You're going to be using that action, that wrist action to just kind of like I said, it's almost like this we it's a it's a good definition when they say splash it out. It's a mm -hmm. splashy feeling where you're just like just trying to just whip kind of under that and just grab that sand and just whip it up into the air, popping it up as high as you can. And by doing that little bit of emotion, and like I said, I don't want to confuse anyone by by describing it too much here because like I think it could get confusing. I want you to take a look at some of the videos and see what I mean. But you'll see what I mean about kind of the wrists kind of like break under a little bit and you just flop that sand up into the air. So this is the one area where you're going to get your hands back a little bit instead of being so focused on keeping your hands out forward. Uh, and it will make a difference. Never thought of that one. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, mm. and, and this is where like too the hands can be active. Um, it's it really making those hands active anywhere else. I'm thinking about keeping my hands super inactive, just keeping a nice firm connection with the club. We talked about that wrist that like slightly bowed wrist like Hogan did. And I'm just working on my, my upper, my, my rotation and keeping everything connected. But here we're getting a little bit more active with our hands. It also helps that it's a shorter shot. It's, it's, it's a shot that requires a little bit less of that timing. If you start to get active with your hands on a, a long iron, you could be in trouble. But here we're just kind of getting, you know, getting through with your hands. And it's like, it's like the opposite of what you do with a putter mm-hmm. where we don't want to get active with our hands at all. But you just, you know, by you set that club, you, 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 you hinge those wrists and you make that small turn, your shoulder turn. And on the downswing, just trust yourself, release those hands and let that club slide through the sand under the ball again it's the only time you want to go under the ball but you're just kind of like sliding through the sand and tossing everything up right because if you if you hit ball in this situation you're in trouble right because if you hit ball here (laughs) there's a very good chance yeah you're gonna it's gonna come out too low Mm -hmm. than what you want you're a you may not clear that bunker lip and b even if you do clear it you're going to be you know, hot and just send it off. the Right. So I think it really comes down to driving home. What we're trying to do here is we're trying to hit a high shot, you know, and, and, and at, you know, we're, we're losing a lot of that, that power and the compression we would have with other shots just to get it nice and soft. Remember it's soft. Yep. It's high. That's what you want to do. So just let that sand, let the, let the ball just ride that sand wave you've created (laughs) and just fly up in the air and land. And that's going to make that big difference. Mm -hmm. But it it really comes down to, we said this before, and I know this is going to be the biggest challenge for anybody out there listening is, is challenging you with do the work of practicing this shot. And I know that's the hard part because it's hard often to gain access to, you know, a, a facility that has a bunker or sand. There are, some of us are fortunate enough that, that the, the clubs near us, the the golf course near us, having like a nice short game facility where there's maybe a bunker or two. In that case, get in there and work on this technique and try to hit a couple of high shots out of the sand so that you're familiar with it. If not, I think the second best thing you could do is, like I said, during a practice round, drop a ball or two in the sand. And as long as you're cognizant of pace of play and all those things that obviously don't have to be said, but we're saying here, you know, that that's the type of thing that I think it's those opportunities where you can practice it a little bit. Got to put the work in, man. You got to put, gotta the, work put in. the work in. And if you can't find anywhere, just go to the beach. Go to the beach. You got right. your whole bunker to yourself. Hey, I, I'm <laughs> guilty if I've brought my 60 degree wedge to the beach before. Yeah, there you go. Especially at night when nobody's there and it's nice and quiet and you can go out there and just work on get some of the technique. best fluffy lies there man there you go so that's everything we have for you guys this week and go to the show notes by going to golfisty.com slash episode 390 i uh, do like i said encourage you to do that we will link to the article that covers everything here all the notes uh and as well as having some of those visuals so you can see what we mean it will help you but guys thanks as always for tuning in we'll see you again next week like i said go to episode golfisty.com slash episode 390 for those show notes and we'll see you next week 